You know, one of the things, uh, I'm sure we all have little pet peeves, one of the little things that challenge us sometimes, and one of those things that really can bug me sometimes is when somebody knows something I don't know. And (laughs) And that's not so bad in a lot of cases, but when somebody knows something I don't know, and it has to do with what I'm supposed to be doing or dealing with, and if they would just tell me, it would make my life a whole lot easier. But it's almost sometimes, I think, a test from them, not necessarily from the Lord, from them to just see how you're going to do, to see how you're going to do. And it's like, come on, it's not that big a secret. Just tell me. And, of course, by that time, now they know it's getting under your skin and they don't tell you anything. And you kind of go through it as best you can. Well, <laughs> this morning my sermon is on a verse in Deuteronomy that I've probably quoted more times than any other verse in Deuteronomy. How many of you quote verses from Deuteronomy? Right? This has been one of those verses when I really discovered it, it was like, oh, thank you, Lord, for giving me that verse because it's going to make my life so much easier as I go through it. The title of the message this morning is Living with the Secret Things of God. The Secret Things of God. God has secrets. There are things that he doesn't tell us in his word. There's things that I believe the Holy Spirit doesn't even reveal to us because they're not, he's not supposed to. You know, we, we are looking at a time, again, in Deuteronomy. And some of you are going to be able to quote this, this uh, introduction. They're camped on the east side of the Jordan. Moses has been teaching them and speaking to them for a number of days now, but he's starting to get towards the end of what he's going to tell these people. And I always have to remind myself, if I were Moses, wouldn't that be something? If I were Moses, I've been with these people for 40 years through the desert. A lot of them were, all of them almost, were born in the desert, which means that tens of thousands of the people I was giving my life for who I was serving, have died in those last 40 years. As a matter of fact, everybody who was over the age of 18, when they came out of Egypt, died in the desert. So if I'm standing here and I'm speaking, and I'm speaking under the inspiration of God, obviously Moses is doing this under the inspiration of God, he's looking out and realizing he's speaking to this next generation whose parents and grandparents died in the desert because of their disobedience, because they didn't trust God. The unknown scared them for so many different reasons, that they disobeyed God. And now I'm looking at this group of people that have came through the desert experience with me, all of the things that have taken place in the desert, and I'm knowing that I'm going to die because I don't get to go into the promised land. God has told me that. So when I'm speaking to these people, however much longer the Lord lets me speak his words to these people, it's just about over. And I trust that Moses loved these people, God's people. And he would be telling them under the inspiration of God, but even in his own spirit and heart, I believe he would be telling them the most important things that he could possibly tell them so that they enter into the promised land of God and enter into the blessings of God. And they don't reject God and his plan for them. 
and experience what the previous generations have experienced. I believe that. I believe these people standing there hearing all of these things. Now, and if we, if we listen and read up to this point in Deuteronomy 29, you'll have been reading in the previous chapters, and you're going to continue reading in some of the next chapters. There's not too many left. But you're going to reading, be reading a series of exhortations and warnings. Exhortations. Basically, for them at that time under the Old Covenant, they had two choices in life. One, obedience that brings blessing. Or, two, disobedience which will bring cursing. And as you read through these chapters, it's like blessings. And it's like, wow, they're amazing. They're, well, let me just read, read a little bit in one chapter, 28, starting in verse 1. Now it shall be, if you will diligently obey the Lord your God, be careful to do all his commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be the offspring of your body. And it goes on and on and on for 14 verses like that. And then it stops in verse 15. And it goes on for the rest of the chapter. And there's way more verses than the first 14. With the cursings, if you don't, curse this curse, this curse, this curse, this curse. It's going to be so bad, all the people are going to talk about how you abandoned your God and you found these punishments come upon you. And I would guess, I guess, if Mike were standing there listening, I'd be like, okay, this is a, this is a potential to be a really good deal or a really, really bad deal. Lord, you know how it's going to go, right? Wouldn't you just tell me? Lord, is it going to be good for me and my family when I go into the promised land? Are my children going to be blessed when they go into the promised land? Are they going to have a good future in the promised land? What's it going to be like for us, Lord, when we go into the promised land? Can you give you know, because if it's that other thing over there, that cursing thing, I think I'll just stay on this side of the river. It'd be normal. I think, to have those kinds of questions. And then we come to verse 29 of Deuteronomy chapter 29. And this is that verse that I've quoted so many times. The secret things belong to the Lord God. But the things revealed belong to us and our children forever. Boy, there's two amazing parts to that verse, even before I get to the very end. There are secret things. There are things that God is not going to tell us because they belong to Him and only Him. However, the revealed things, all the things that He has chosen to reveal to us are for us and for our children. Those promises, as we were singing that last song, it was just like, here's the question. Here's the answer. Here's the question. Here's the answer. Trust in my promises. Trust in my promises. Trust in my promises until the breakthrough comes. Praise Him all the way through there. There's things God's kept secrets. 
kept secret, things that we don't know, which causes there to be so many things in our lives that we don't understand. And yet, there are things he's revealed to us that are ours and our children's forever and ever and ever. Things we do understand. Things that God has entrusted us with. Those things. Those are some of the... The reason that verse has been so significant, I guess, in my life is from the time God called me to be a pastor. I discovered the best answer I had so often and still do today is, I don't know. I don't know. There are so many things in Scripture, as you or I study Scripture, where we come to this place where you say, I wonder what, is there there an answer? God says, no, it's one of the secret things. You don't need to know that. It's secret. Matter of fact, you may have not called it this, but it's like having a going to your filing cabinet and you have this Deuteronomy 29.29 file. And in that file is all the questions that you have that God has not given you the answer to. Anybody have a file, at least in their mind, like that? You know how many times I've said, boy, when I get to heaven, I want to know this. Like, that's going to be important when I'm in heaven. But in my mind it is now, Lord, I just need to know, you know, I just need to know. Can you tell me? This file. Why me, God? Why not them? Why did you rescue me and save me from where I was headed and you haven't done that for this person? Why do they suffer this way? Why do I have this happening in my life? Why aren't I seeing my prayers for my loved ones being answered? Why and why and why and why? Maybe I'm just more of a control freak than the rest of you, but I just have a whole lot of those questions. My file's really thick. And it's not just about spiritual, what we would call spiritual, theological questions. I've got a lot of those too. But they're not always that. So the question in my mind is, if God keeps so many things secret, he makes this very, very clear. We're called to live by faith. Look at these parts of these three verses I'm going to read. Romans 1.17, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. That's how I'm supposed to live, by faith. But God, you haven't told me so much. How do I walk by faith? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by sight. Mike, close your eyes. Ignore what's going on. Trust me. Believe me. Walk it out. Live by faith. Yeah, right. That's really quite simple. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Well, that should make it a lot easier if I've been crucified with Christ. But Christ lives in me. The life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's clear we're to live by faith. But it isn't always easy. It is not always easy. How do we do it? How do we do it? How do we live by faith when there's so much we don't know? Well, I think two things certainly help us. One We need to realize and accept the limits of revelation that we have. And then, on the opposite side of that is, we need to trust in our loving Heavenly Father for what He has revealed to us. In other words, 
the promises and revelation we have should help us walk and live by faith in those areas where he's kept it secret. And there's lots of those areas in our lives. And as Christians, we should expect to face questions we don't have the answer to. And I'm pretty sure there's probably no one in here who hasn't had those questions that we don't have the answers to. There's going to be many things in life that make absolutely no sense to us whatsoever. At least the way I live my life, that's true. There are things that absolutely, totally baffle me. God, give me understanding. It's just silence. They baffle us. They can get to the place where they, that we might even be tempted to, to fall into fear or despair because we don't understand what's going on. We don't have the answers that we really, really want. I mean, you ever felt like just throwing up your hands and saying, that's it, I give up, I quit, because I don't know. And yet we're commanded to live by faith, walk by faith, not by sight. How do we do it? Those words, the secret things belong to the Lord God, just resonate. There's secret things, and they're His, and I have no business expecting to know them. But on the flip side, he has revealed so many things to us. And the scripture says he has revealed these things and they belong to us. They belong to us. And they don't belong to us. They belong to our children forever. That means to me they're very, very important. And we live by faith and not by sight. Yeah. But there's so much. We don't know. We don't understand. So what we're going to look at here are some of the secret areas in our lives where there's a lot of secret things that probably challenge us to live by faith. Probably things that I'm guessing most all of us have had questions about one way or another. And I'm not talking again about those real biblical questions. I mean, my file has lots of, you know, Lord, how did you really part the Red Sea? God, I really, really would like to know when it is you're coming back. You know, I'd even like to know where where is hell really located? I mean, I have a long list of those kinds of questions. I'd really like to know. How did you really make water come out of a rock? Anybody have questions like that? That we could ask so many things, and they're interesting. But we also have a lot of questions that are more personalized than things in our life. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And a sermon I was reading through this week by a man by the name of Colin Smith, the title of his sermon, and this was from many years ago, was uh, Act on What You Know and Leave the Rest to God. That could be the title of my message. Act on What You Know. But he had a long list, and I picked out some of the things that really resonate with me, some of the areas of our life. And that's the, so I'm stealing these lists, this list of categories from him. So different secrets or areas where the secret things belong to God. The first one is this. God, what's the future for my children and my grandchildren? Well, I'm asking that question. I've asked that question a whole lot of times in the last few months. What's the future look like for my kids, my grandkids? Questions about, God, will they have a spouse? Will their spouse be a Christian? Will their faith be strong enough to stand when things get really tough and it's so challenging and persecution is coming up? 
Will they be able to find a career that they can be good at and love? You know, will they be able to provide for the families the way that they want them to? And even as I ask a lot of those questions, if I'm not careful, my face starts to shrink a little bit, knowing he's in control. But I have those kinds of questions, things I would like to know the answers to. You know, are they going to get saved? Are the people that I know and love, my children, my grandchildren, my grand, great-grandchildren, should the Lord tarry? Will they accept Christ? All of these things that I have no idea. I believe a lot of these same questions probably were in the minds of the people that Moses was talking to. Uh, they know the story. They know what happened to the generations before. And now I've got my wife and I've got my children and we're going into that land and you've told us clearly there's enemies. How's it going to turn out? Blessing or cursing? We don't know the answer. The secret things belong to the Lord. Second area was the question like this. What's the reason for suffering? Anybody not ask that question in some form or another? Why? This is where the list of why questions. Why them? Why now? Why me? Why my family? Why was I born into a family that's so dysfunctional? Why were my parents this way? Why didn't they love? I mean, we can go on and on and on. So why so much suffering? Secret things belong to the Lord. But yet we're supposed to live by faith. Third area, the manner of my death. Maybe I'm more morbid than the rest of you. But as I get older and older, I think about that. Lord, how long am I going to live? I mean, if I just get the answer to that question, a lot of things I think about and worry about, I make it a lot easier to make plans. Amen? How long am I going to live? All right, if I've got any savings, I'm going to blow it before that day. That's it. I mean, so many things. Am I going to die a painful death? Am I going to die of illness? An accident? Am I going to have a sound mind the last years of my life? Am I going to have Alzheimer's and dementia? It runs in a family tree. So many questions about the manner of my death. Things belong to the Lord. Fourth area, I kind of touched on because it overlaps a little bit. What about the salvation of my loved ones, my friends, my neighbors? What about those, those people that we care so much about who have rejected Christ? You've shared the gospel with them. They've rejected the gospel. You're praying for their salvation every day for years. What about their salvation? Lord, are they going to ever accept Christ? Are they ever going to accept you? Secret things belong to the Lord. How do I live by faith? And there's so many secret things in so many important areas of my life. The events of tomorrow. Maybe somebody can tell me if this is a common phrase in all your families, but, you know, hey, see you tomorrow. And in our family, we've so often heard this phrase, as long as the crick don't rise, and the Lord allows it, right? Lord willing. See you tomorrow. How many of you know what's going to happen tomorrow? I bet everybody in here has a plan for what's going to happen tomorrow. Dude, we're making plans. My calendar goes out months. How about yours? Really? 
Tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. I know my calendar, what it looks like on every day of the week, and it never turns out that way. Or almost never. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. In James 4, verse 13, it says, Listen to what you say. Tomorrow, today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or we'll go to that city. We'll spend a year there, carry on business, we'll make some money. And the answer is why? You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know. But we're called to just walk by faith. Take the things of the Lord belong to Him. Now, when I say the next one, I'm not just talking about being a pastor. But will my ministry bear fruit? Every single one of us in here are called to bear fruit. We are all ministers of some sort. Ministers to our family members, ministers to our spouse, ministers to the people in the workplace, ministers to wherever God has planted us. We're to bear fruit wherever we're planted. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how young we are. Do you ever ask yourself, God, is there any fruit? Is there anything that I am doing that's bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? Is there anything that's not going to burn in the end that's going to have lasting impact for the kingdom of God? Is there anything out there of lasting value? You pray and you find yourself, does it even matter? You get another prayer request on the prayer chain. You go, ah, whatever. I'll pray for that later. And you don't, you forget. Because so many times we don't feel like our prayers are heard. Is there any fruit to our prayer life? Is there fruit in our ministry? You make sacrifices. You sacrifice your time, your energy, your strength, your money. You make all these sacrifices and wonder, does it make a difference? We even wonder, does it, anybody even notice? Kind of selfish there, isn't it? But we wonder, is our ministry going to bear fruit? You know what? The secret things of God belong to him, not us. We don't know. And the last one I want to mention, last category, is one that can be really frustrating, to me anyway, am I making progress in my Christian life? When I read those words that we're being transformed into the image of Christ, man, I sometimes find myself thinking, I hope he doesn't look anything like I look like right now. And about the time I think I'm making progress, something happens and I do something or say something and then the next moment I'm going, where in the heck did that come from? I thought I was so past that. There's no way I should have got so angry or I should have used the Lord's name in vain or I should have kicked the dog, (laughs) whatever it is. I'm past that. Lord, am I making any progress? Am I ever going to get there? Am I ever going to get anywhere close to the destiny that you have declared for me? Am I going to become the person that you've called me to be? We ask all these questions. Secret things belong to the Lord. Quite a list. Humbling, isn't it? We sometimes think we know so much. We're so smart and we're so in control. And I go through that list and I'm thinking, those are big deals to me, all of them. And I have so little control. And I don't have very many answers at all. And yet we're called to live by faith. 
Look at what he has kept secret, what the Lord has kept secret in these very personal areas of our life. You know, the future of our children and grandchildren, the reason for suffering, manner of your death, how you're going to die, the salvation of your loved ones, events of tomorrow, the outcome of your ministry, the progress in the Christian life. How in the world do we navigate through life and walk by faith when all that is an unknown? must be possible because God commands us to do it, right? Does he give us any help and instruction on how we should do this? Go back to a statement I made at the very beginning. We need to accept and, and live with what God is keeping secret and trust in the revelation that he hasn't given to us, given to us and to our children. I believe they are connected in the only way that I can continue to walk by faith in my life with all those unknowns is realize God's not telling me everything, but he has told me a lot. And if I believe and trust the lot, I'll be able to walk by faith here. Praise him to your breakthrough as I went through that song just over and over. So I'm going to go back and revisit each one of those seven areas very briefly. Instead of calling them the seven secrets, the seven promises. And there are so many scriptures you could go into, so I'm going to resist. Future for, of our children. I don't know what the future of my children and grandchildren are. My great-grandchildren, I have no idea. But I know this. God is faithful. He is faithful. Faithful. He tells us over and over in his word, and he proves it over and over in his word, and he's proved it in my life and your life many, many times. He is faithful, and he'll be faithful to our children and our grandchildren. The promise is for you and your children forever. The reason for suffering, I don't know. I don't know why some painful things happen to us why they happen in my life or your life. But what I do know is what the Scripture says. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in each one of us. And notice it says, in us. If I have that confidence and that trust in what's revealed, that these sufferings are absolutely nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us, Another scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, Our troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that out far outweighs them all. I mean, if you take that to the extreme, it's bring on the suffering, Lord. I want more of that eternal weight of glory. I don't pray that way, by the way. But that's the reality. Grab the promise. I can walk by faith when I don't understand about suffering. How am I going to die? I don't know how I'm going to die either, but I knew, though, unless he tarries, as long as he tarries, I am going to die. He doesn't come back sooner rather than later. But it tells us this in, in Scripture in Second Corinthians 5, to be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Now, if I really understand and believe that, death doesn't matter how. To be away from the body means as a Christian, I am going to be in his very presence, the presence of the Lord. Paul wrote to the Philippian church in chapter 1, he wrote, and it's better by far to be with Christ 
For to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Man, he's revealed those truths to us. What should that do with our concerns about our death? We don't be rushing into dying. That's not the point. But there's certainly nothing to fear for a Christian at all. Salvation of your loved ones. I don't have any idea for whether my unbelieving friends or family members are going to accept Christ. I don't know. But yet I'm supposed to walk by faith and live by faith in that area too. How can you do it? You know this. God saves people who aren't looking for him. You realize that? Whenever it was God started wooing you and me by his Holy Spirit, we probably were not looking for him. By the time we finally cried out to him, he had been wooing us for a long time. The sheep don't go looking for the shepherd. The shepherd goes looking for the sheep. I don't know. But I have to trust him that he is going to intervene. You know, <clears throat> I've never prayed this way before about for my lost family or friends. But it's worth considering saying something to the Lord like this. Lord, they don't need your permission for you to interrupt their lives. God, I pray, wherever they're at and whatever they're doing, that you hunt them down, that you grab hold of them, that you rescue them, even though they don't even know that they're looking for you. Would you do that, Lord? live by faith, not by sight, because we know his desire. And we know he's a merciful God. In his mercy and grace towards us, he rescued us. The events of tomorrow. Well, I think we all can agree we don't know what tomorrow really is going to bring. But you've probably heard the phrase, I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I know who holds tomorrow. We have a faithful God who holds tomorrow in his hands. Events of tomorrow, we know that he is a loving Heavenly Father who desires good for his children. In, in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord speaks about this by talking about birds. Do not worry about your life. And he explains why. He says, look at the birds of the air. Your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Instead of worrying about tomorrow, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We don't have to live a life consumed by worry and fear. God truly does know what's coming tomorrow and the day after and the day after into eternity. We need to quit worrying about things that we don't control, can't control, and the things that we can't change. So much of our lives I would dare to say in the last year, between a pandemic and politics, we have spent so much time afraid of and worrying about things we absolutely can't control. And it's consumed us at the cost of the strength in our faith. We need to trust him for tomorrow. The outcome of our ministry, you know, I don't think that any of us know the total outcome of what we do for the Lord and our ministry for the Lord. 
But I do know that God has said this. In Second, First Corinthians chapter 5, he says, Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not vain. You know, in Scripture it tells us there is going to come a day when we are all going to stand before the Lord, right? And I'm not talking about the judgment between heaven and hell. I'm talking about that, that time when we're going to stand before the Lord and our life is going to be looked back at and our, we're going to be receiving rewards in heaven. Now, I don't pretend to know how that looks, really. But I tend to believe that at that time, that time, you're going to get to see the effectiveness of your prayers. You're going to get to see loved ones that are there because of what you did or said. You're going to get to see the sacrifices that you made in the terms of the fruit that came about because of that. I believe at that time we will finally get to see the fruit from our ministries. God promises us, keep going, stand firm. Your work that you do in the Lord will never be in vain. Never be in vain. What an amazing thing to think about. And when it comes to our Christian life, you know... We aren't going to be perfect in this life. That sanctification, that process of being transformed into the image of Christ is a process that's not going to be completed until Jesus returns. That's when we will be made perfect. And it says in Scripture in 1 John 3, 2, when he appears, we shall be like him. Doesn't mean we're going to be God's but we will be transformed. We will be given that new body. Everything will be different. We need to remember that in the middle of our frustrations with our lives when we stumble into sin, make mistakes or do things we can't imagine why we did that, but we do. Truly, the secret things do belong to the Lord, but when you look at all these revealed revealed things, they belong to us. And when we trust him for what he's revealed to us, it gives us the ability to live by faith, walk by faith, not sight. Because he's revealed these things to us. And we can go to him with all these questions. We may not be able to find answers. But we will find promises in the word of God that allow us to trust him in the midst of whatever it is we're going through. Some of us in here, some watching online, might be confused by a lot of what I've said. Knowing God. How do I get to know God? There's so many people that realize life is empty. And can God really do something about it? I don't know Him. I don't even know how to get to know Him. The Word of God tells us nobody knows the Father except through the Son. If there's confusion and you want to know God, Jesus says, hey, I'll I'll reveal him to you. Not only will I reveal him to you, I will make a way for you to go to him, to be with him, to know him. 
tells us clearly, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except that way. If you're watching online and you're sitting in here, and you've never, never made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, acknowledging he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that he will lead you to the knowing the Father, today's the day to do that. Not something to be put off. So many people today are so weary. They're so carrying such heavy burdens, and they don't know what to do with them. They're just trying to survive day to day. Hopefully not us here, but probably somebody here, more than one. Online, probably, maybe many. Jesus, we are told so clearly. He says, come to me. Come to me. All who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. So I want to encourage you as I close in prayer, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, never acknowledged your need for him, now's the time to do that. I'll give you rest for your soul. What an amazing promise. Let's pray together. I encourage any that are watching online or anybody here that's never made that commitment, just agree in your spirit, in your heart, as I pray. Father, I acknowledge that I have been carrying burdens that I can't carry. I acknowledge that I'm wore out and life feels empty. I know there are so many things in my life I can't fix even if I want to. But Lord, I'm going to trust in you today. I'm going to put my trust, my hope, my life, my future in your hands. I come to you, Lord, confess that I'm a sinner. And I acknowledge that Jesus, the only Son of God, died on the cross for my sins. That the price was paid in full. He was raised from the dead, given life, that we may have life. Lord, I accept that gift through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Surrender my life. And I ask you, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, to reveal the Father to me. Reveal his love to me. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that's open. Embrace the promises that you have for us that I may walk by faith and not by sight. Put my trust in you. Ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, I invite you to stand again and we'll close with this worship song. And if there's anybody who would like prayer, feel free to come forward. We have people that will pray for you.